Welcome to Halcyon Trailblazer, a podcast featuring the people working to bring Halcyon to life and the Forsyth County changemakers surrounding it. I'm your host, Adam Schiff. There are few things that unite people more than a shared love of animals. Whether you like to simply spend quiet time with a pet or have a carefully curated Instagram page for your furry family member, that affection is universal. This is especially true in Forsyth County, and it's one of the big reasons why Halcyon is not only dog-friendly, but dog-encouraged. On this month's show, we're shining a light on trailblazers who are making a difference through their dedication to animals and Fur Kids founder and CEO Sam Shelton and Dogtopia owner Kim Musso. To get things started, let's hear from a woman who is driven by her desire to rehabilitate and care for every four-legged friend she encounters. Sam Shelton wasn't always on this mission, but a chance encounter with a litter of kittens inspired her to set out on a new path that ultimately changed her priorities and her life. We spoke to Sam at Fur Kid's beautiful new location in Forsyth County to learn more about her impactful work, but began by finding out when her passion for animals first took hold. My love of animals really started at a young age. My family always had pets, whether it was a cat or a dog. I really gravitated towards animals, so it's just a natural progression for me, what I've been able to do with fur kids. Mm-hmm. I've always loved children um, and enjoyed babysitting, and so combining the two together has been important to me. You know, Fur Kids is the only animal shelter in the state of Georgia that will allow children of all ages to volunteer. And that is very important to me. We're willing to take the risks of having children working around animals and volunteering with animals because mm-hmm. the payoff is is worth it. And why is that? Because you mentioned that earlier when we were walking around where we're sitting right now, which is this incredible new space we'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes. But why is it that often children can't work in these types of settings and how are you able to kind of change that paradigm? I think that a lot of organizations um, have a lot of unfounded fears um, about children being around animals in a shelter environment. Maybe maybe they don't have the type of environment that we do at Fur Kids. Um, we are teaching them how to interact with the animals. We let them know what to look for. You know, when the ears are back on a cat, don't approach them. You know, let the animals come to you. Um, on the dog side, yes, it can be a little more tricky. I mean, you, we definitely want to have have dogs that we know are, are child friendly mm-hmm. and um, easygoing, and just educating them and, and explaining to them what to look for. Kids are smart. And they want to learn, and they want very much to know uh, how to interact with animals. Can you tell us more about where the inspiration came from for fur kids? And really, at its core, what the organization does? Well, um, I found a mother cat and her kittens in my backyard. I looked out my kitchen window. Um, it was October the 11th, 2001. Yes, wow. I remember it. Like, very specific. Yes, it was very specific. I'm, I'm in the kitchen right now, and I'm looking out that window, and I see this mother cat. And behind her are three little kittens um, walking on the retaining wall coming into my yard. It happened to be the same mother cat that was chasing the birds in my yard uh, the week prior. And when I saw her now with three babies, I realized, oh, my gosh, she is just trying to feed her little family. Mm-hmm. And I felt oh, terrible. I, I, I was chasing her away from my birds. And now I see that she just she needs food. She needs help. She needs shelter. And so I immediately worked to bring her in and um, get her some help. And I called uh, Animal Control in my area 
And the gentleman on the phone told me, if you bring her here, we're going to euthanize his family because we don't have room. Mm -hmm. Now, this was 17 years ago, almost 18. And um, we have a problem in Georgia. We had it then. We have it now. And um, yes, so many years later, things are better, but we still have a pet overpopulation problem here. And that moment, it was just, I was in a time in my life where I had the time, I had the drive, I had the resources to be able to do something Mm -hmm. for this family. And I knew that it was up to me. I've never been one to turn my back on any, anyone, anything in need. If it's in front of me, I'm going to try to do something about it. And that's how I felt with this family. And that moment, it changed my life. It really was a profound moment in time. And I was tapped and I answered the call and started Fur Kids four months later. So how do you go from handling that one isolated incident to making it a whole organization, creating the infrastructure and ultimately acquiring space? I mean, that's a big leap from what you did to where you are now. Yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) It just has organically developed. I'm a very passionate person about what I do, and that has attracted people into the organization. I'm very transparent about the work that we do in the community. Um, People want to be a part of that. So fortunately, we've been very blessed to have thousands of people support this organization. You know, it started out in my home uh, as a foster home-based network. Um, I quickly aligned myself with PetSmart Adoption Centers and then later on with Petco Adoption Centers. We now have 13 Uh, Petco and PetSmart Adoption Centers. And those are satellite centers where cats uh, stay 24-7 until they're adopted. And if they're not adopted within a couple of weeks or so, we bring them back to the shelter or back to their foster home. But that's how we got started. And I I knew within about a year and a half into it that if I wanted to have my life back, that I needed to, and really grow this thing to, to be more impactful, that I really needed to create a place where the community could come and serve and where people could see where their gifts were going. When you give a donation, this is what's happening with it. We are saving these lives. We're bringing them in. We're doing their vetting and we're finding them loving homes. And that is what Fur Kids is about. We are saving animals um, from animal controls across the state of Georgia, um, from individuals who can no longer care for for them, um, from individuals who find um, stray animals that, that need help. So we are saving these animals. We're bringing them in. We're providing them with the very best medical care that we can. Um, and we are working feverishly to find them loving homes. And that's what we do day in and day out. You mentioned that the overcrowding issue, which that hasn't gone away. So how do you deal with overcrowding? Because if you people know that they can always call you guys to, to come get the animals, how do you handle that on, on your side? It is a delicate balance, honestly. You know, as an organization, we still struggle to figure out, you know, what is that number that we can help on a daily basis? I am always going to push my team to figure out how we can help more and more animals. Um, but it is, it's a challenging situation to be in because, Uh, Even just before this interview, I had a conversation with a woman who was very frustrated with us because apparently she's asked us three times over the last year or so to help her with animals that she has found. And we haven't 
been able to. Mm. Um, and it's a tough conversation to, to have with, with the folks because our heart is to save every animal that comes across our path, that mm. people, people present to us a situation and we want to be able to help. We know that we are limited and it's a bad feeling not being able to do all that we can, but we at least try to offer resources. I'm always trying to say, okay, if we can't physically bring that animal into our program because we are full, we are going to put them on a wait list. We are going to offer them medical. Maybe we can do something medically for them. We're going to offer them a list of other shelters that they can try. Um, if it's a situation where an owner is having a behavioral issue or they cannot no longer afford to provide care for their pet, well, maybe there's something we can do there. Maybe there's an opportunity that we can help to mm -hmm. keep this animal in their home. And so on a daily basis, that's what our team is working on. And like I said, I'm always pushing our team. Mm -hmm. Think out of the box. How can we save one more today? What kind of mix of animals do you have at any given point? On a daily basis, we have anywhere from 800 to 1,000 oh, wow. animals waiting adoption. And um, primarily cats. We have a lot of cats in our program because of our 13 adoption centers and our 10,000 square foot um, cage-free cat shelter. And then all the foster homes that we have. You know, on the dog side, our dog shelter here in Forsyth has uh, capacity for 65 dogs. We have every shape, color, age, personality, breed. We have a mixture of everything. Um, and they are all very much loved by our staff and our volunteers. And uh, we care very much. I get teary-eyed talking about it. We care very much about these animals that we take care of every day and trying to find them loving homes. But we have everything. So come to FurKids.org. Look at our pets. Um, if you're in the market to adopt, we have something for you. And I'm, I'm curious, you started to make the case there too, but the importance of adoption. You know, adopting a pet is what's going to help us get through this uh, overpopulation problem. Um, there is a statistic that I myself do not know, though I wish I did. I would love to know how many pets in homes are from a shelter that were adopted and how many, you know, versus how many were purchased from a breeder. I am not against breeding, um, believe it or not. I think it's important to preserve the breeds. What I am against is irresponsible backyard breeding. And that goes on day in and day out. And that is what's walking in the doors of our animal uh, controls throughout our state. It's, it's the individuals that are bringing in boxes of puppies and kittens nonstop because they have not taken the time nor do they care to get their pet fixed. And that that's the issue that we're dealing with. Um, I do wish that, you know, when individuals are looking to um, add a dog or cat to their home, they do take a look at their animal shelter first. In terms of the overpopulation, you said in Georgia that's an issue and it's always been an issue. Why is that unique to this state? What are the factors that contribute to that? Um, I wish I had that answer. I have a theory. Um, I do think that because we are in a milder climate year round that animals, you know, um, that are outside can breed. Uh, our cats are breeding, it feels like year round. I know that 12 months ago, we launched an out of state transport program that we're very proud of. It's actually a coalition with other local rescue groups and animal shelters. And we sent just under 1,700 
cats and dogs, mostly cats, up north to 13 different states. We are actually um, driving them up north to Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Ohio, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, um, Michigan, because those states do not have the pet overpopulation problem that we have. They just do not have the numbers that we do. And yet they have, they have the demand. We've got the supply, mm-hmm. they have the demand and we got a car and we're driving them up and it saved 1700 more lives last year than we would have been able to do otherwise. Wow. There is a cap to the number of homes that are available for shelter pets in the state of Georgia, because as an organization for kids has done everything that we know possible to secure homes for for the animals in our care. Um, We have been as creative as you can get. We have done all kinds of fun promotions. We've played around with adoption fees, you know, zero adoption fees, reduced adoption fees. Um, We've done every gimmick we can think of uh, marketing-wise to let people know about our animals. And yet, you know, we've done as many adoptions as we can, yet Mm. there are still so many lives to be saved. So um, I actually attended a Petco Foundation leadership forum uh, conference, and when the woman from Maine, she was uh, with a shelter in Maine, stood up and said, you know, one of my greatest challenges is uh, we don't have cats here around. I said, girl, we got to talk. We got, <laughs> we have to talk. Uh, we, we can help you solve that problem. <laughs> we need to, what do you mean that's one of your greatest challenges? Are you kidding me? I wish that were our, right. our greatest challenge. So that's when the light bulb went off. Like, okay, look, I am always trying to figure out solutions to this problem. In terms of that, that process, and I know you get to see it all the time, so I'm sure there's stories even recently that stand out to you. What is that like when when someone finds an animal that they connect with as they walk through and and you almost feel like, okay, this this is meant to be, that, that type of connection? Yes. Uh, well, just last weekend, one of our um, advisory board members, Katie Kiley, who is um, on 97 Won the River, is a very dear friend of ours. And she had um, lost her two senior kitties. The last of the two had just passed. And she was ready to make a decision to adopt again. And she brought her little nieces in. And it was a very sweet moment when she involved um, her family to help her make her decision. And I told her walking in, like, look, we have, we have so many great pairs. I don't know how you're going to make this choice. But uh, we brought several to her to meet. And it was that moment where she held these two particular kittens and she knew it. And the light bulb went off for her and she just connected with them and she's so happy with them. I, I love that day in and day out. Mm-hmm. That, that is um, absolutely the greatest joy for any of us involved in, in this organization and any other animal shelter out there. I'm sure they'll tell you there's nothing like that moment when you see an animal that you have saved and you provided the care for and nurtured. Sometimes, you know, you've nurtured them back from the brink of death mm-hmm. and you've brought them, them through a bad health crisis and into the arms of this loving family that's going to enjoy them and share their lives with them for so many years to come. In terms of rehabilitation stories, I'm curious, any recent ones that stand out to you where you guys just really went through incredible lengths to help save an animal and get him back into a position to be adopted? Yes. Um, we recently saved a hound dog named Eve, who um, 
I was actually uh, on my way out of town for a conference and saw the video of this dog just laying in a bed in this animal control that is far out from Atlanta. And um, you could tell this this poor soul was in so much pain. She had been um, hit by a car and uh, we didn't know the extents um, of her her injuries. We did not know at the time, but I saw her face and here, so there's a woman that was filming, making the video, and she put her hand um, on the dog's head, and the dog just, you know, put her put her head into her hand, and then licked her. And I thought, oh, this poor soul, she needs to be saved. Mm-hmm. So we stepped up for her. Uh, it ended up being a very uh, extensive um, damage. She had to completely have her pelvis rebuilt. Um, it was five thousand dollars. Wow, but. Once we're in, we're all in, mm-hmm. and we're going to do it. We're going to see it through. We're going to get Eve walking again and happy again, and Eve is doing great. She's She did great through surgery. She's healing well, and she is going to find a loving home, and it's worth it. And it helped, too, that when I got to my conference, um, I won a $1,000 grant um, from Maddie's fund, and I said, Eve, this is for you. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to put this. marking this for Eve. So uh, we save a lot of Eve's. Um, throughout the year, you know, we we saved uh, about five thousand animals last year, and um, we step up for some of the hardest cases um, because it's the right thing to do. I mean, if we can provide medical care um, to save their lives, we're going to do that. We don't often do outdoor interviews, but this is such an incredible space we're in here, and uh, I'm I'm curious if you could talk about where we are and the significance of this new phase for fur kids. Well, it is a beautiful day today. I know you all listening aren't able to see this, but uh, it's a sunny day. Um, the birds are chirping. The leaves uh, are, are blowing in the trees. And this, this is not piped in sound. These things are actually happening around us. Yes. <laughs> this it, is real nature. The water is, and the waterfall is trickling, <laughs> and we are blessed. I just love this space. It is nine acres here in beautiful Forsyth County, and we are right next door to the trailhead for the Big Creek Greenway. And we purchased this land um, July of last year, and it, it's my vision for this organization to be able to provide the very best environment for our animals and our people. And um, this property is going to be able to do that. It is, it's glorious. I, it's, you know, I'm looking around and seeing this amazing um, trees. This used to be Wakula Water Gardens, and the people that built this really put a lot of thought and planning into this beautiful setting. Um, and we're just going to expand on that. We're going to create the first of its kind destination shelter in Georgia and probably the southeast. And it's going to be right here in Forsyth County. And I'm very excited about that because, you know, I know one of the questions that you were um, had presented to me was, you know, what does Forsyth County mean to you? And to me, it means growth. It means opportunity. Um, it means a lot more life saving at Fur Kids because we're going to be able to combine our Um, shelters together in one location. So we're going to have the efficiency, the obvious efficiency of having our team together in one place um, and being able to bring the community in to just experience the beauty and the peace and tranquility of this location and being able to engage with our animals in this natural setting. You're going to be able to come in and take a dog for a walk on the greenway or just around the gardens here. You're going to be able to come in and pet cats in, in, in a beautiful shelter, um, walk the gardens. 
You know, we host a lot of volunteer groups. And so we've already had so many people here on the property to help us with the gardens and um, really tending to the scene out here, you know, helping us uh, pull the weeds, cut Mm -hmm. the bamboo, make the place look great. And everyone that comes out here loves it. We're also just down the Big Creek Greenway from Halcyon. So this is a little bit under construction. That's under construction, yes. both coming together. Can you just talk about the impact that's going to have on the community and, and for fur kids being so close to, to such a destination that people are going to want to visit? Yes, we talk about this a lot. We're very excited. It's a 15-minute walk from fur kids down the Greenway, and I did it the other weekend. Um, just to be able to have access to all that Halcyon is bringing, you know, and all the establishments that are coming to this area, Oh, I'm so excited. I know that for lunch, I'm going to be walking down to Halcyon (laughs) on my lunch hour. And, you know, the work that we do here at Fur Kids, it is very challenging. And so I'm I'm excited for my team to be able to um, get on the Greenway and go for a walk, go to Halcyon, have lunch, you know, do some shopping, just be able to experience um, that that kind of offering here just down the street from where we are. We're very excited about that, but we're also excited about the partnerships Mm -hmm. um, that we can form. I mean, I have a lot of ideas. I want to do a walk run from the animals, you know, from Halcyon to Fur Kids and back. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I think of all the events that we can do and just being able to partner together um, for people to be able to experience Halcyon, experience Fur Kids. And then, of course, um, knowing how dog-friendly Halcyon is. I've told everybody that we're going to be able to walk a dog down there and then, you know, pay someone to dog sit while we have lunch or, Mm. you know, do some shopping and come back. It's just, um, it's a very exciting time of growth for fur kids and Halcyon and for Forsyth. Before we wrap, I want to just let you get this out there. So if someone's listening and they're thinking about adopting a pet or they think they know an animal in need what can they do and what what steps would you suggest to those people? Um, immediately. You need to go to furkids.org. That's F-U-R-K-I-D-S dot O-R-G. And take a look uh, at all the wonderful animals that we have available for adoption. And if you're not ready to adopt, consider fostering. It's a great, great benefit to the organization to be able to open your home temporarily to help you know, a litter of kittens in need or a dog that needs, a dog like Eve that needs some uh, rehabilitation. There's also volunteering. We all are welcome at Fur Kids. There is no age limit. Uh, young and old, in between, we, we welcome everyone, you know, because the love of animals really transcends every social barrier. All are welcome here. We love animals and we love people too. And that's really the message that is important for me to get out there is that we want um, we want you to engage with Fur Kids. It's a great opportunity to get involved in this organization. We're right down the street from you. We have a location near you. Mm-hmm. And um, and to donate. We've got um, wonderful stories like Eve. You know, we, we cannot do what we do without this community's support. We rely heavily on donations. We also have three thrift stores. It's a wonderful way to get involved. If you cannot write a check, which I understand not everyone can, but we all have things that we can um, purge from our homes. And we actually, we turn your treasures uh, into lives saved. And that's and that started out as a yard sale in my yard and grew to three thrift stores. So very proud of that. Just uh, get involved. Find a way to get involved. We welcome you here at Fur Kids.
Well, we thank you for welcoming us to Fur Kids today, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. While we know most people enjoy getting pampered, what about dogs? In the last few years, more and more owners have been treating their pets to luxurious experiences, and Dogtopia is the gold standard in that department. From daycare to spa treatments, Dogtopia will open its first George location at Halcyon thanks to Kim Musso. Already the owner of Primrose School in Alpharetta, the busy mother of five is aimed to add pet care to her burgeoning empire. We spoke to Kim about her entrepreneurial background and vision for Dogtopia, but began by hearing about her early exposure to hard work and how it shaped her. I grew up in Miami uh, with a single mom, no brothers and sisters, just me and my mom. And my mom worked two and three jobs to make ends meet and had a very strong work ethic. Uh, so I think that's where I got my work ethic from. So I've always worked very hard. I worked uh, as a young girl and um, very independent thinking, independent minded and did all kinds of things. I worked in retail, sales and marketing, uh fast food, restaurant business, uh, just dabbled in a lot of things in Miami, really didn't figure out exactly what I loved to do. Um, and then uh, back in 1993, Hurricane Andrew hit, and we ended up moving up to Atlanta. And um, at that point, I started to work for uh, Primrose Schools, which is an early childhood education company. And that's where I found my passion. So I really didn't find my passion until I was 28 years old. And um, at that point, I was the director of franchise recruitment, and I worked as the director of franchise recruitment for 17 years. And I was able to help people realize their dreams of owning their own business. And during that time, I was watching people really not only recognize their own dreams, but watching them make a difference in the lives of the people that they were serving their, in their community, helping children, families. They were making a difference in the lives of uh, the staff members that they would bring on board. And so as they were doing that, I was uh, I admired that and I was a little envious. Mm -hmm. So that's when my husband, Mike, and I decided to open our own school. So we uh, we did that seven years ago up in the Forsyth County area. Was it the entrepreneurship that drove you or was it the education piece? Which one came first? You know, I think it was the entrepreneurial in me, the the desire to uh, have something that was my own mm -hmm. and to make a difference in the lives of children, parents. And I, that's what drives me every day. I love children. I love Primrose. I love my school. I love education. I believe what we do. But what drives me is making a difference in those lives and delivering a promise to them, which is that when they walk in that door, they matter and that what we're going to do every day is going to be impactful. I've had a chance to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs over over the years in different interviews, and it always seems like they want to do something in part because they see an opportunity to better something they were part of before. So what was it that, that you identified from work in education early on that you said, when I go out and start my own thing, this is how I want to do it a little bit differently? Well, as part of a franchise system, I really didn't want to do anything different because I really believed in the Primrose systems that they had in place. Um, following them to a T was important. The difference that I wanted to make was making sure, again, I think services, I feel like it's almost a lost art these days. Um, and that really, to me, was the difference. Is uh, My husband and I, we both believe in servant leadership, and we wanted to make 
make a difference really in people's lives. And I think Primrose does that from an education standpoint, but Primrose sits on a shelf. It's bringing in the right people who are truly passionate about children, about education, and then bringing in the right leadership team that are going to model our philosophies and our culture and building that team and then making sure that all of what we do is funneling out into the children and making sure that the children are safe and they're happy. Mm -hmm. And then the learning comes last. But if they're safe and happy, then you're building confident little people. Um, and then the result is children who are happy to learn are excited about learning. And then you have happy parents. There's two things most people always want to show friends or strangers. They say, here's a picture of my kids. And now here's a picture of my dog. So tell us how the, the dog piece came into this after you're already very entrenched in the, the education market. So we, we started to think about what next. And we looked at potentially doing a second school. And at that point, we, we were thinking about, you know, our children and where we were in our lives. And um, my husband and I were in our mid-50s. And, you know, it takes a lot to develop a, a school and to build a school. And we were looking at opportunities and we, we were, we're empty nesters. We have five children. So they are 22 to 30 years of age. Wow. And we've always had animals in our family. We've always had dogs, cats, guinea pigs. Uh, you know, our children have always loved animals, specifically one of our children. Um, she has always been, uh, our daughter has always been the one to bring in the guinea pigs, you know, the, the mice, the snake, whatever it was, <laughs> she always had a heart for it. And so uh, we recently, when we became empty nesters, we brought in two puppies. So suddenly we now had two puppies in our house and we started to recognize that our friends who were becoming empty nesters were now bringing in puppies. And um, we started to recognize that there's an industry out there mm -hmm. for dogs. We were spending all this money, you know, on, on our dogs. And we built a swimming pool after our, our kids moved out. Our dogs were now had, had little floaty bathing suits. <laughs> we were buying clothes. We were having pet portraits. We were taking our dogs everywhere, cooking for them. Our kids were saying, my gosh, you didn't do this much for us when we were in the house. <laughs> and um, so everywhere we went, everybody had their dog. We were I was taking the dogs to the grocery store. I was wearing um, little um, harnesses and taking them everywhere. So, oh, wow. you know, friends were making fun of me. So anyways, we recognized that it's, it's kind of a booming industry. So I said to my husband, you know, we really ought to look at doggy daycare. So we, we started to look at it and, and we looked at it a little bit and kind of put it on the, the back burner. And then a year later, we looked at it again. And as we did, we started looking at what was here in the community. And there's a lot of good brands out there, but I've always been a person that like, I like to try things that are new. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always the person that, that's going to dive in and, and be that one that wants to be that almost like the trailblazer. Right, right. So we looked at a company out of Phoenix, Arizona and um, called Dogtopia. Very high-end, very um, clean lines, just very pristine company. And uh, went out there, met with them, became very excited about what their offering was. And there was really, in my opinion, nothing like it here in this area. And so we really, their culture aligned with us, their vision, just kind of everything that we did aligned with who we are and what we were looking for. Anything that we do is always going to be up on the higher end. Oh, I always want to be the best of the best. And I really felt like that was their offering. So the fact that they were not in Georgia, we would be the first, mm -hmm. that was exciting to me. And then the ability to be able to bring our children into um, this business with us was really exciting. So all of our children live in Atlanta except for 
one of our sons. This would bring him home. So our son and our daughter are going to be doing this business with us. They're going to join us in this venture. So that's really exciting to me, too, to have them be able to do that. We have one of your children here right now. Yes. But I'm curious, what are the others doing? Are they also entrepreneurs? Have they followed your path? No. Uh, one of them is a, uh, well, kind of, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> one of them is uh, very interested in, in cars. So he's dabbling and, and figuring out what he's going to do with cars right now. So he's uh, working with Ford. And then we have a daughter who is... Um, overseeing PR in the nursing school at Emory. And then we have another daughter who also works for Primrose Corporate now in the education department. So she kind of followed in, in that path as well. So you talked about the the need and the desire to be the best of the best. What makes Dogtopia the best of the best and separates it from the competition? Well, at the end of the day, it's going to be the people. Um, and it's going to be delivering what we promise parents. Peace of mind in an environment that's going to provide a safe environment and that their, their pets are going to have fun all day long. And with and they're going to be with people who genuinely are passionate and, and you can see the joy in them that they genuinely love having their dogs there. You know, we are going to offer a facility that is broken up by different age of dogs, different temperaments of pets. Pet parents will be able to see their dogs online throughout the day. They will be able to visit. There will be big glass windows that the pet parents can come in and visit with their dogs. We'll have an outdoor area at the facility. I believe that dogs should be outside sometimes uh, throughout the day, depending on the weather. Um, If not, then they could stay at home all day. Some facilities don't offer outdoor time. I think it's important. That was really important to us um, when we we were looking at Dogtopia. And just making sure that they're having fun. They have bacon bubbles. They have all kinds of fun (laughs) things that they're going to be doing all day. And, I mean, it's just going to be fun. We're really excited about it. So you talked about being first to market in Atlanta with Dogtopia. What does it then mean to have it aligned with a community like Halcyon and kind of the vision and the purpose of Halcyon matching that of Dogtopia? So ever since uh, Halcyon has been a blip on the radar, we've been keeping an eye on it because just excited. It was like the coolest, newest thing coming to Forsyth County. So we've been keeping an eye on it. This is even before we ever thought about Dogtopia. And um, so once we were looking at Dogtopia, I knew that whatever we did was going to have to be close to the school so that I could get back and forth mm-hmm. quickly. So Halcyon's two miles from the school. And when uh, we looked at Dogtopia, I knew that that's where we had to be. We There was no other place. Um, I feel like Halcyon, it's going to be an amazing opportunity for us because I love that they're so dog friendly, the whole community. I love that so there's an opportunity for residences there, the businesses. Um, it's right in front of the um, the Big Creek Greenway. There's so many good synergies about it, family focused, that I think it's the perfect fit. I think Dogtopia is the perfect fit for Halcyon. You were talking about some of the, the pets that you guys have had that sort of inspired you. I'm, I'm curious, tell us about those pets. Can you tell us how pampered they are at home and are they going to be taken to the, the next level with Dogtopia? So recently, I work from home and I work at the school. If I work at the school, I don't get any work done. So I have to work from home sometimes. So our puppies are now, uh, one is not quite a year and the other one just turned a year. So I told my husband, I said, they need daycare. Mm -hmm. I said, they've got to go to daycare because they're in my lap all the time. They are, I'm constantly there. I can't say no to them. I can't get away from them. If they want 
my attention. I can't get any work done at home either. So my husband was like, no, they're not ready for daycare. He's like, I'm not ready to let them go. I said, oh, my gosh, you sound like a parent at, a, at one of my schools, you know. So um, Are there helicopter parents for pets, too? Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> that was my husband. <laughs> so we went to visit. So I said, look, there's some really good ones in the area. I've heard great things. We need to go visit. So we went to visit one and that I, some friends had recommended, and um, they wouldn't let us back in the facility because when you go back there, dogs get really riled up. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they see people and they start barking and they get excited, and it's hard to calm a dog down. So especially when you have 10 or 20 of them. So um, because we couldn't see the facility, he wouldn't let them go. <laughs> <laughs> He said, if I can't get back there to see, they said, you can go online and see. And, but he said, no, we, they can't go. He's there with like a measuring tape. Yeah. Let me make sure you have enough space here. So now uh, my dogs are not allowed to go to daycare until <laughs> until we have our own. So, yes, they will be with us every single day. Um, and they'll be going to – although I do have one that's a little temperamental, so I'm not sure that he'll be allowed in with the other dogs. I'm not sure how dog-friendly he is. He's real people-friendly. But, um, yeah, our dogs will be going to daycare and um, – They'll be with me. They're they're spoiled. They are spoiled rotten. Our cats are spoiled rotten. All of our pets are spoiled rotten. So I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, and especially even last month, we talked to the Tanners from Cherry Street, running a family business that's also a real entrepreneurial venture. What have you learned over the years of doing that? As you incorporate more members of your family, and as long as you've worked with your husband as well, what are some things that you've learned from and grown from as a result of that? I think you really have to separate. I mean, it's hard to separate business and personal, you know, but you have to draw that line. And as family, you have to remember at some point somebody has to make the final decision, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the other thing is, is that, as I said, you know, my husband and I are in our mid-50s. Our son and our daughter are millennials, and they have a lot of great ideas that we have to be open-minded to because that's who we're catering to right now is the millennials. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of great ideas to bring to the table. And then they have to remember, too, that we got to where we are because of our background and as old as we are and baby boomers. And so there there has to be a mutual respect. And I think that they do respect that and we respect them. So I'm excited to see how that all comes together. My husband is, um, he has a full-time job outside of our school and oh, wow. Dogtopia. Yeah, he's in... Um, He's, he's a financial guy. He is a turnaround consultant. So he kind of is the CFO of our business and our biz- he will be of our businesses. And then I'm the salesperson. So you know how sales and CFOs don't get along very well. <laughs> I want to spend all the money. He wants to save all right, the money. Right. Um, so we, we, uh, we have our moments, but we, uh, we do it nicely. So. <laughs> so this is obviously a huge part of your time is running a school, also starting a new business, and then your husband has all these other obligations as well. Yes. When you do have some free time, which I don't imagine there's much of, what are some things you guys enjoy doing when you can unplug a little bit? You know, we just enjoy, we just recently uh, built a house and moved. And um, we, right now, we're just enjoying just taking a breath and just relaxing together um, and, and not doing a whole lot, honestly. In our spare time, we just like to just chill. Mm-hmm. You know, we like, we enjoy going out. Um, and we're really, again, we're really excited about Halcyon coming up and, and some new restaurants up in the area and, and going to them and just building those relationships up there. We're really excited. What is it that's so special about Forsyth County and the people here that you can just 
you can make those types of connections. I feel like, you know, when we started to figure out where we were going to have a business, I feel like Forsyth County, first of all, it's exploding. We wanted to have a business in an area that that we could grow up with. Mm-hmm. And it's growing and it's the people are so they're family focused. Everywhere you turn, there's children, there's pets and they genuinely care about their families and the area. And there's just a sense of excitement about what's going on in, in the area. And the schools are amazing. People are moving into the market just because of the schools. So there's a real sense of community, lots of sports and just it's it's a really feel-good community. It's a safe community. I love it. So as we talk about the community, we talk about Dogtopia that's coming very, very soon. What can people expect when they walk through the door and, and they bring their pets there for the first time? Uh, I feel like you're going to be able to sense immediately that everybody that's there is genuinely passionate and excited to have your pet and you in that facility the moment you walk through that door. There's a genuine sense of love in that facility and genuine, sincere caring about you and um, your pet. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your time. We're excited to see Dogtopia when it opens and wish you a lot of luck. Thank you so much. We are too. Can't wait to get there. And that's going to do it for our latest show. Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss an episode and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Halcyon Foresight. Finally, if you think you may know a trailblazer inside the community, leave us a note on Facebook and you might just hear him on a future episode. So until next month, I'm Adam Schick, wishing you all the best as you blaze your own trail.